Welcome to Sound and Vision. Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors became an employee-owned company in 2002, and in 2010, the employees became the majority owners. And despite worldwide distribution, Golden product is still created on the grounds of the original barn in New Berlin using the highest standards for consistency and quality. You can find their products in pretty much every art store, and you can find more about them at goldenpaints.com. Emma Stern is an artist from New Jersey who lives and works in Brooklyn. She participated in a pre-college drawing and painting program at Parsons and received her BFA with honors at Pratt in Brooklyn. She's had solo shows at George Andrew Gallery and Stream Gallery, both in Brooklyn, and Inner Space in New York City. She's been included in group exhibitions at Greenpoint Terminal Gallery in Brooklyn, Haw Contemporary in Kansas City, Castor Gallery in New York, The Wrong Biennial, Cloaca Projects in San Francisco, Love Unlimited in Glasgow, Arabite in London, and many others. She's a co-curator of Post Vision, and she was included in Post Analog Studio, an impressive group show at the Whole Gallery, which just closed. Her work combines a deep commitment to traditional media with an interest in digital media, resulting in a kind of contemporary portraiture made possible by new technologies. Emma and I spoke about growing up with dial-up, art world jobs, the value of tutorials, and much more. Here's our conversation. So where do you, I honestly have seen your work fairly recently and have been really intrigued by it, but I know almost nothing about you. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you come from? Where so did you... I, I hail from the great state of New Jersey. Jersey? Um, what parts? Central New Jersey in a tiny, tiny little town that's the donut hole inside of another town. It's called Metuchen. Oh, um, I think I... Is that near Route 80? Um, I don't think so, but it did get a shout out on 30 Rock so, okay. and on The Sopranos. So, I mean, it's, it's nice. Yeah. A Jersey landmark. <laughs> sort of, I guess so. So was it, was it a, I imagine that's not too far from the city. Um, it's, it's not too far. It's psychologically, it feels like a hundred miles apart. Right. Um, <laughs> but you would come to the city. Um, when I got into high school, I started skipping school to come to the city and yeah. ha- hang out and be bad and, you know, explore a little bit. So, yeah, I wasn't totally unfamiliar with with the city, but um wasn't here, like, all the time. It's not like you were coming in. No, I wasn't. Constantly. I had super, super protective parents who tried their best to keep me Uh-oh. close to home. Were they strict? Super strict. Um, and my dad is super religious so that all kind of factored in and I was a really really good kind of introverted kid until I was maybe about uh, 14 years old oh like, no <laughs> was it that's, do you have do you weird. have brothers and sisters I have a younger sister yeah yeah so it was a pretty not strict but not a free-flowing like loosey-goosey household Defin- <laughs> definitely not um I'd say it was pretty strict, and I was I was pretty sheltered. And so then, when I started breaking free, I was like, "Oh my God, it's just like <laughs> this is the whole world out there." Right. Yeah. 
So do you feel like, um, well, when you were younger, did you, were you interested in art? I mean, did you ever come to the city to see museums and stuff like that? Or was, when did that start happening? Your interest in creativity? Um, yeah, I, I was definitely one of those kids that was always like going to do something creative. It was pretty obvious at an early age. Um, my parents tell the story about how they like pick me up from um, kindergarten or preschool, and all the other kids would be like playing on the jungle gym, and I'd be sitting on the blacktop with a cup of water and a paintbrush, just like painting like circles Making on the designs. asphalt and like waiting for them to disappear, and then doing it again. <laughs> and this kind of it, it, it's funny because painting still sort of feels like the Sisyphusian task in a way, right. but I, I guess not much has changed. So yeah, I guess um, my parents, I come from a super academic family. My parents are both in, my dad's in science and biology and my mom is a copywriter. Um, and they raised me with a lot of emphasis on schoolwork and homework. Um, but they recognized that I was a creative child, and I think they did try to nurture that, foster yeah. that a bit. Did they work in the city? Um, my mom did, and my dad worked in Trenton, which is the oh, capital yeah. of New Jersey. Right. Um, and he worked for the EPA doing um, toxicology in public water. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's still pertinent today. Yeah, he actually just recently retired to go back to rabbinical school. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, he's a really interesting guy because um, he has this background in biology, like hard science, and then he's also this extremely religious man. So. Yeah. Did he grow up in Jersey or in the city? He grew up in the Bronx, like super yeah. old school, like by the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Um, South Bronx. Yeah, so he kind of he has, um, yeah, he has like one of those accents. I can, I can hear it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go away when he moved out to to um, Jersey. No, um, it's it's still there. Certain yeah. certain words, I'll hear it. <laughs> right. Well, in school, like obviously at the playground, you're, you're mm -hmm. drawing in water. Yeah. Evaporation paintings. <laughs> yeah. And uh, were you, did you have a good art teacher in school or was, um, you know? not really. I was in, I was in the public school system, which is not bad where I grew up. Um, but there wasn't a ton of emphasis on art. I had a, I had a good art teacher for a few years, but nothing like no one who really like, you know, propelled me in a significant way. I feel like. Well, also um, too, your parents were probably, since they're very academic, I'm sure that that weighed heavily on you, right? Like you had to get good grades, you had to be taking biology and math and all that, you know, like kind of like, was there an expectation for you to kind of go in that route, even though you were showing signs of creativity? Yeah, I think there was an expectation for me to excel in whatever it is that I did. So it's not like they were, you know, forcing me to take advanced chemistry or whatever, although yeah. I'm sure they would have loved that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, th I think... Um, I, I think whatever I decided to do, I had to do really, really well at it. Was yeah. at le was at least the way that I felt. Um, and I mean, that's I appreciate my parents for that. It, it's kind of um, this sort of self-driven motivation is something that I like to think I still have and I still can kind of uh, refer back to. So I'm appreciative that they instilled that in me. But it was it was a lot of pressure as a yeah. young kid. Um, and in a way, it might have kind of 
pushed me in opposite directions right. as often does happen. Yeah. I feel like as a parent, I always have a feeling of like, if there's something I really don't want my son to do, <laughs> not that I yourself, really have that, yeah. like, but if I really didn't want him to have a mohawk, I would tell him, go get a mohawk Yeah, because it's not cool anymore. Right. <laughs> and if I'm constantly telling him like, you can't, you know, skateboard or something, mm-hmm. he's going to skateboard. I think yeah. it's just the way it goes, right? Yeah. And I like think the more forbidden it is, it's like the more the curiosity just eats at you. Totally. You know. And I think there's specific kinds of personalities such as my own where that is doubly true. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you, when did you start pushing, you know, pushing away from that? Like, and trying to, I mean, because a lot of times when you know, when you're younger, it's like creativity or music or art or like things like that are kind of like in a way counterculture. Mm-hmm. So you can really dive into that because it's not the sort of straight laced thing that your parents want you to do or, or kind of like, you know, encourage. So was that, when did that kind of happen when you started pushing out into that stuff? Um, I think it started happening maybe 13, 14, maybe like some early red flags, a little slightly earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, I had a great family, like, you know, nice enough upbringing, but I was, I was really unhappy. I hated the kids I was in school with. Um, and I had a lot of trouble like getting along with them and being social. And um, I felt always like really out of place and I remember when that all changed for me was when I started kind of using the internet as a social tool yeah and so I'm part of like 12 13 that's sort of like when I had easy access to internet in my house because my dad worked for the state so he had a dial-up connection at home so you were like an early adopter sort of I remember I was not the very first but one of my first friends to have you know, reg- regular internet in my home, but it like was it still- worked. <laughs> right. But I mean, you'd still, my mom would still be like, I'm like, get off. I, I have to get on the phone for work. <laughs> right, like right. You di- get off the internet. <laughs> and then I'd have to get off and then I'd have to spend 10 minutes dialing up again. And I mean, yeah, that <laughs> it, noise, right? it yeah I mean, it doesn't even feel like that long. Yeah. That noise is, it's man, so specific. It's triggering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it triggers like boredom and waiting and frustration. Of oh God. Yeah. It makes me think of sitting in my basement. Um, yeah. And so when I sort of, I, I started being able, the great thing about the internet of course, is that you can find your niche, like wherever it is that you belong, you can find the, you can find your people yeah. and you know, physical proximity is not really a factor, which is, came as a huge relief to me as someone who felt like I really didn't sort of belong in the small town I was growing up in. Um, and then of course, as you mentioned, like I started meeting like other people who were into sort of alternative things, music and art. And that was sort of the beginning of my, I guess, what do you call breaking out of my shell a little bit? Um, but yeah, I mean, I first I was using I mean I used Sims a little bit when it was a PC game but it was you couldn't really connect to other players right. at, at first and so I, I remember the first thing I really used to, to like communicate with people um, that I didn't know was Neopets oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so into Neopets oh my god um, and then of course 
I mean, when when I discovered MySpace, it was it's it was, over. It was a wrap. Yeah, I was not <laughs> interested in having real friends anymore. Right. It's like this will do. <laughs> yeah, to- totally, totally. Um, God, The Sims. Remember this? The Sims was like fascinating. Yeah, it was so. I don't know. It was so simple, but it was you could just spend hours in that thing. Yeah, and it's one of these things I think is. I mean, you can really see in hindsight what the implications of it were. That like, and at the time, was it's it's video games, you know. But it's it it was the beginning of you know universe creation. Yeah, it was like the kindling of the fire. You know, it's like the the beginnings of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I say that probably because I always remember on The Sims when the kitchen starts, like there's a fire, when a fire happens inside the house and then the people like freak out, you know, yeah. is it a different Sims than the one you're talking about? Like, no, is no, there a different, I'm, weren't I'm, there different versions? There were different versions. But you had a house and you could like, you would have to eat and yeah, when you, when you do the dishes, it would, your fun meter would go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything is like on this like modular scale. And I, I, I was thinking recently about the way that the Sims deal with death it's like they sort of just like skim it over it's like they just fall asleep yeah it's always just like the most like kind of peaceful like inane um yeah <laughs> this is like, yeah it's like that's what we do in our culture is just gloss over death you know what i mean i feel like it's it's kind of like you don't want to talk about it or something it's like oh that just happened you're you're gone next new yeah. life I almost feel like it gets discussed as like this thing that can potentially be avoided, you know, like right. this like kind of youth obsession or youth fetishization. It's like, oh, turn back the clock. No, that's, that's not what you're doing. Right. You're just putting skin cream on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You're just on a treadmill. It's not going to save you like 40 years of more years of your life or something. Yeah, totally. In fact, it's probably not very good for your knees. And yeah, that's a good point. High impact. <laughs> Um, so I don't know well the nanopet thing. The ne- neopets. Oh, neopets. Well, sorry. neopets was kind of like a proto-social media for children. Everything was like super squeaky clean and moderated. Yeah. Um, but it's basically you can adopt these weird little alien pets. Yeah. And you have to take kind of like Tamagotchi or something, but it's, it's exactly but like Tamagotchi, but thing. there's a social aspect so you can communicate right. with other users. Um, it's like over the internet. Um, and, uh, you get like points. There's like a whole economy surrounding it and, um, you can become like pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember I made a few friends, like people who I would just be in sort of regular contact with, but I would only recognize them by their pet. Cause I, oh, right, like yeah. your pets can play together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, there's the pink chihuahua or something. <laughs> yeah, to- totally. Except they're like alien creatures. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then of course there's all the merchandising that comes with that, where you can actually you can buy the doll and then of course. that's your thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to make more money off of it. Of course, yeah. So that those were the early forays until MySpace, and then you started getting well. MySpace was was really heavily based around music too, right? So what kind of music were you? into at that point like the worst music ever <laughs> which means the best music ever <laughs> yeah i mean i pop went, stuff i went through the like well pop punk i mean i want i like wanted to be a rock star and was like hanging out with boys and bands and things like that and just you know like a horrible screamo you know um i listened to some good stuff too i was really into the strokes and um 
well, I mean, that's probably like the one, the one, the, <laughs> the one the thing that's one. aged well. Yeah. Do you only want to get us a shout out? Everyone else is not good enough. <laughs> um, I mean, I listen to like things like Taking you, Back Sunday, and what was the other one? I don't know. And, is that and like brand new? I mean, those are all. Just oh, I don't like, know these bands. These, well, are they are they kind of like emo? Yeah. Post punk pop. Yeah, and I I don't think they've really aged well. I mean. Um, literally or <laughs> musically <laughs> I mean probably, probably both. both I don't know I don't know much about their personal lives but I do know that it's uh, I it came on at a bar the other day and I just my my knee-jerk reaction was to just roll my eyes <laughs> so I don't know if I'm just like ashamed of my of my screamo past or if um or if it's just actually bad music I think it might be both so I think the good stuff will probably stand the test of time right <laughs> it's totally. fun, so funny my son listens to like he and his friends are in a band and they love like some 41 green day oh, i love some 41 yeah, <laughs> in, uh in blink 182 like oh bands yeah like yeah, that. yeah that was, and those guys are still my... doing it well but they're yeah. they're kind of good at what they did you know love it or not yeah those are those handful i think actually like had some musicianship right. for sure yeah yeah so that was that was kind of like my my vibe, I guess, it's a similar taste. And and as you said, I mean, I did, I was, I I, I like music. I'm not like a musician. I'm right. not super super passionate about music or anything. But I was definitely using it as a sort of way to access an alternative to what I was used right. to, which I think a lot of teenagers do. And it's a yeah, lot it's like of, a badge that like I'm not. I'm not Listening. like all I'm the other like girls. Yeah. yeah. I'm different. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, so in high school, well, that was the MySpace thing hit in high school, right? Um, yeah. Or like maybe right before high school. Like junior high. Yeah. I remember when I got to high school on the first day, um, I was really disinterested because I had, I was, I, I just wanted to go home and like talk to my friends on MySpace because right. there's so much more interesting and they and, really, they really got me, you know? Yeah. So. And technology is like that too. It's like it lowers you because everything's better. Every, everything is is better, and and because it's you're in control. You know, you don't you don't have to actually acknowledge the things that bother you or that make you uncomfortable. You can block people. You can turn your alerts off. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like a different world in a way. It's, well, when I see work like yours, I think to myself. Like, and what you're saying makes sense about, like, how you're sort of um, encountered technology in your life at that time and how it was developed. Because it's a very specific path, I think. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because your, your childhood, like, everything kind of came together at that specific time of, like, the development of certain programs and all that. And I see in the stuff you do now, there's certain aesthetic that's kind of, like, you know, a throwback to some of that early web stuff and you know what I mean? I think there, I mean, maybe less on the work, but maybe more so on like the website and the, the overall aesthetic <laughs> of it. But is that something that you have nostalgia for now? Is that time of like the early time of when you encountered yeah. sort of like meeting and communicating online? Totally. I mean, I did definitely sort of model my website after my old X page. <laughs> <laughs> Um, There's going to be a lot of people who don't know what that is, though. Okay, everyone, X, X page <laughs> is like Instagram, but it's a web page, and you can get in. You can do basic HTML with it. It's like a, it's like a it's like a profile, an extended 
profile. I, I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's almost just like, like it's a homepage. MySpace yeah. without the music. It's a little more jukebox. flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can customize it a little bit more. Um, Did you but, teach yourself HTML? Um, like very, very basic. I mean, I had I was spending a ton of time on the computers. I, I mean, I was learning all kinds of stuff. I really feel like that's sort of where I got my practical education from. Yeah. Did you still do well in school, or did you kind of disengage? Um, I was doing really, really well in school right up until like the time that we're talking about, and right. then I totally, I totally disengaged um, and started lost in- started acting out a little bit. Um, it's, um, yeah, and, <laughs> and it led to all kinds of other interesting scenarios. Um, yeah. So was that that was a fun time or a rocky time or both? Uh, definitely both. Definitely, um, definitely informative. Well, when you graduated high school, were you like, thank God I don't have to do that anymore? Yeah, for for sure. I actually graduated high school, um, in North Carolina. I I did my last two years of high school in North Carolina because I was just getting into it. A ton of trouble at oh, home, you got, so I got, you got yeah, sent away. I did. I was, and so that was an even more restrictive environment. But I, was there internet? No. Oh my gosh! What but, did you do? <laughs> well, I. That's when I learned about <laughs> proxy servers. <laughs> <laughs> you found was, a way. I was like, there is no way. So I would get, I would get on MySpace and Facebook like once or twice a week in secret. Um, but uh, and and there was no real art program there. But what was cool was that they recognized that this is something that I sort of like needed in order to to you know function. So I was allowed to kind of create my own curriculum for myself, sort of. And I and I really do feel like I taught myself how to paint there. Yeah. And so then when I when I graduated, I'd already gotten into the, a few art schools and. Um, uh, one of them was Pratt, and I just desperately wanted to live in New York City, and I saw that as my opportunity to, you know, lock myself in. And right. I was like, no matter what, I'm never going back to North Carolina, and I'm never going back to New Jersey. <laughs> was it? Uh, was I was going to say was going out to North Carolina and being kind of like sent away like that make you want even more so to be, you know? It's funny because like when you talk about almost like disengaging and wanting to just cultivate relationships online Mm -hmm. because it's easier. You can kind of curate your own path of everything there. But then coming to New York is such a people place where (laughs) you can't escape people. Well, I guess you can in a way because there's so many people that they disappear. Right. And you can kind of just find the people you want to hang out with. Yeah. But were you thinking to yourself, well, I got to get out of North Carolina and New York's where I want to be because was it, the art was it the community was it just I think it was everything I mean it's not that I ever really wanted to get away from people really I don't hate people I just hate (laughs) certain kinds of people and I think that I recognized uh in New York sort of the same like possibility for niche that I saw in the internet so I mean there's tons of people here and there is this kind of, uh, you can be totally anonymous in New York City if you want to be. But what's even better than that for me, at least, has has been finding has been finding my people like in real life, which I think is only possible in a place like this. Whatever yeah. it is you do, like no matter how specific it is, whatever whatever you're into, like there you're gonna find 
not just a few people who are into the same stuff, but you're going to find probably like a whole culture that has like, you know, a bar like like built around it and like a home base. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So, I mean that, and I think that I recognize that about New York city, even from afar. Um, and then also the art, the art factor. Um, and I just saw it as an opportunity to, you know, finally be independent and, and just not have anyone tell me what to do. Yeah. So how was art school? It was, it was great. Um, there's a lot I would do differently if I could go back, but I overall like super positive experience. Um, I applied to Pratt as an illustration major thinking that I really wanted to get into uh, medical illustration. Um, and then maybe two semesters in, you're like, Oh, well you have to take a tape, a typography class if you're an illustration major. I was like, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to do that. (laughs) So, uh, and I switched my major to painting, which is all I really wanted to do at that point. Um, and what kind of stuff were you doing then? Um, I was doing it like related to wanting to get into medical illustration. When I switched uh, to painting, I was doing extremely academic, um, like neoclassical figure painting. Yeah. Um, my favorite artist was Michelangelo. So, yeah. I mean, and I was really inspired by the way like all these stories I'd hear about him doing these cadaver studies and, um, you know, like having an actual corpse that he'd be slowly like chipping away at and doing a drawing. Drawing Yeah. And, um, so I was really inspired by that. And I mean, the work that I was making could, could, could have been made by anyone sort of, it was very sort of generic, like technically it was good, but it was very generic work. Um, and then, um, is there still like a business for that? Because I still have students in my, well, sometimes I teach advanced figure drawing and, um, I'll have like a student or two here and there who are like, I, that's, that's really what they want to do. And I'm like creating assignments where they're like, you know, <laughs> abstracting or like using like a performative element or whatever it is. It's like stretching them in all these different directions, thinking about the figure in different ways. And there's always, or not always, but there's that one person who just wants to do the Da Vinci, Michelangelo <laughs> drawings, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I understand the appeal of that. I mean, it, just like anything else, if you get really, really good at something and other people are like, wow, you're, you're really good at that. And I mean, it, it's something that's, um, if you can render a portrait of someone that really, really looks like them, it's it's not subjective. It's right. like, oh, like, oh you're you, really... you did good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I understand the appeal of that. And, I, you know, being validated by your peers while you're in art school, it's like the best thing that can happen to you. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do portraits. I'm... I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's a I didn't know if it was still like, that's a job, you know, I'm no. sure. And I mean, I think, I mean, at least what happened for me is I kind of realized that I didn't exist in that work. It was just these kind of like skillful emulations of things that I'd seen. You're just um, like, it's just a function. You're just creating that yeah. thing that looks like that. Yeah. I just kind of started feeling like it was just a formula um, and then something else that happened that was significant was I started sort of questioning what it meant to be a female painter because all of my idols were all like old dead men. Yeah. 
Um, and I was paint. I was painting and drawing a lot of women, and I was. I've always been interested in um, data and surrealism was my favorite genre when I was in college, and even before that. And there's always this. Um, there's a lot of t- discussions surrounding the muse, and sort of these like beautiful naked women throughout history who get art made about them by men. Um, and so that started, I, it, it didn't start showing up in the work, but it's, it's, I started turning those gears in my mind and sort of yeah. wondering what part of what I was doing was actually relevant to my life and how I could actually be speaking from experience when I make work. Um, and I wound up getting really friendly with some of the models who I was working from, um, and in figure drawing class, in right? figure drawing and figure painting class, yeah, I was taking as many figure classes as possible, and I was also taking anatomy on top of that. Um, and so I got friendly with one of these models, and she actually put me in touch with the uh, drawing department at Cooper Union, and I wound up all throughout like my second half of college working as a figure model there, oh, really? which kind of gave me this. Uh, perspective from the other side of the drawing pad, if you will. Right. Or the gaze. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, So that was the best job I've ever had and also was a really, really informative experience in hindsight. I don't, I'm not sure if I knew what I was doing at the time, but I yeah. think I, it's almost like I was sort of gathering information in preparation for this work that I would eventually make. Um, so... So when... When you graduated from that program, where were you as far as like the work and where you wanted to go at that point? Like, what was the next step? What did you accomplish? So, what I did my senior year, what I wound up doing my thesis project on was I'd become interested in sort of distorting bodies, like by using some kind of technology, um, which is also pretty similar to what I do now, but it was kind of like the very, very beginning. What I was doing was I was taking um, pornographic images and warping them on a flatbed scanner Mm -hmm. and then doing drawings and paintings based on what, um, on the resulting images. Um, And so in in hindsight, that's obvious, that's definitely like the first time I was using technology on the body right. to, to either distort or transform or modify it. Now, were you using technology and other aspects of, you were, right? It was a big part of the personal side of your life still, right? Yeah, it wasn't. Or wasn't uh, as much as it, the MySpace years. <laughs> for, yeah, I mean, well, it, it was always, it was definitely still a part of my life. And I mean, then it was Facebook by then, but um, it hadn't. For some, for whatever reason, I was kind of holding fast to this very traditional idea of painting um, and really like not kind of trying not to let technology get involved, even though I was using a projector and getting all gathering all my references from Google image search. And right. I, but in my mind, I was like, no, I, I gotta be like a neoclassicist, it was a little bit of a Luddite in a way. And then I started letting go just a little bit using the scanner. Um, first step yeah it really was <laughs> it, it really really was and I had this amazing thesis professor Greg Jossler who um his parting words to me were were pretty much he's like you should you should keep thinking about 
about this. Like, keep thinking about the scanner. Like, what else could you use other than a scanner? Yeah. Um, and I, I it, it echoed in my head for years. Um, Sometimes it's easier when you're on the outside. You know what I mean? It is. To see, like, oh, I think this person, this is their environment that they really would kind of flourish in but that for some reason they're tied to that environment you know yeah and it's really hard to make the jump over mm-hmm. for some reason or another you just you know you're like reticent or like no no i'm this you know what i mean like i don't do that like I, before i remember before i started animating i just i was drawing on the computer i taught myself illustrator and photoshop and stuff just to work on the paintings and it took me a while to sort of think okay this stuff that I'm doing with animation is like just the same thing really like it's equal you know what I mean for a while it was just like yeah I'm not, I didn't really learn that and yeah. I didn't go to school for it and I'm not like an animator I don't really know what I'm doing and it took a while for me to to be able to say that that's a big part of my work and that's what I do yeah I mean same I, I've only sort of just begun to acknowledge my my digital process as an equal and valid part of, of my painting and it's separate, but equal, but also not separate. They're kind of, um, uh, artifacts of each other. Right. And they can feed each other and Mm -hmm. sort of talk to each other in a way. The differences between the two. Yeah. And I'll get ideas from, whatever it is I'm working on, I'll, I'll get ideas and feed it back into the other process. Well, so like in my, my generation being in art school and grad school, it was like, there was this real hierarchical thing over like, you know, painting or sculpture is like here Mm -hmm. and you know, like digital work or whatever is, you know, you know how, I I mean, did you still, do you feel like that was slowly shifting or changing or did you still feel a little bit of that weight? Um, I mean, Pratt's really interesting and like I said, I did not apply to that school as a as a painting student. I applied illustration, and um, I think that hierarchy that you mentioned certainly does exist, and I think it existed in my mind for sure. I, I thought that paint. I was looking down my nose at everyone else. I thought that painting was was like peak art. Yeah. Um, but I think at Pratt, there a lot of resources are allotted to industrial design and interior design. And I mean, the architecture school is really yeah. renowned. So I think it, it was, um, the hierarchy is a little bit topsy turvy there. Right. Um, my, the painting department at Pratt is very small, which I liked, but I, I don't, I don't think anyone in other departments really gave us the time of day. <laughs> right. Oh, so it wasn't like super interdis. It was kind of like, interdisciplinary in the sense that there were different disciplines but it's not like people were weaving in and out of areas oh yeah i i i that's my one complaint i had an overall very positive experience at that school but uh, my complaint is that i feel like i there's almost no interdisciplinary opportunity Um, you had to really kind of force it if that's something you're interested in um and um i would have liked to get some sort of you know digital digital training so I wouldn't have to spend the next eight years teaching myself how to do it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I took one class. You remember Soft Image? Mm, Do you know that 3D modeling program? I had the beta version. But I took that class in grad school. Mm. And, uh, and you know, it wasn't that advanced. Mm -hmm. It was, and not too user-friendly or fluid. 
at least for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of wish I had like everything I had to learn on the computer was just tutorials. Although it works. I think it's almost the best way to learn. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, oh, it would have been really great to get a formal, formal technical background in this. But then also it's like, if you're going to spend this insane uh, tuition and, spend four years learning a program that's probably going to be obsolete or have another version out by the time you graduate. (laughs) I mean, are you really kind of just spinning your, your wheels? I almost feel like tutorials are the, are the best way to learn if you can focus. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then like you can learn in school, like the reaction to the work or a critique or Mm -hmm. how you might be able to use different programs or do different things, but not like, okay, here's what, you take the pen tool and then you, you know, those are things that like everybody you can, follow along. Yeah. yeah. You, you can learn that online in no time, you know, yeah. but you want to learn something more, something you can't learn on the computer from like a 10 minute video. Yeah, I agree. I think art school is a little bit more inclined towards the tra- traditional media. I mean, I, you can't really simulate a crit environment, you know, outside of, yeah, it's, that's a, a, totally. It true. has to be sort of deliberate and um, intentional. Well, I find that like the same thing in painting classes, though. You, I mean, you could sit there and teach, you know, how to like make cool colors recede, and you know, yeah, mixing color and all that, and like different brushes. But you, you also kind of want to just get to know, like, oh, what do you think about the work? What is this doing? You know what I mean? I remember when I was in grad school, Matthew Ritchie came to my studio, and he walked in, hmm. and he looked around, and he was like okay, this is cool. He's like, do you want me to spend time talking about how your lines are really crappy or do you want to just talk about the ideas in your work? <laughs> it's nice he gave you that option. I was like, uh, the, the ideas for sure. And you know, and then later on, some of my other teachers who were there full time, I was like, wait, how do I get these lines to be not so crappy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they taught me. But you know, you kind of want to use the time for the bigger ideas and to yeah. learn that stuff than to spending it on like little things you could learn from you know, this or that. Yeah, I agree. I, I'd say the biggest thing that I learned in art school was how to work, not how to paint and right. not how to do, not how to like act like complete, like any specific task, but how, how to work, how to be sort of, uh, self-motivated and how to make a schedule for yourself, even though no one's breathing down your right. neck and you're not punching in, but you still like stuff still has to be done by, you know, X day in May. How did you learn it? Was that teachers or was it like fellow people who were there before you? And then when you left, they were there and just seeing other people working really hard or, or was it working on projects that you had to get done and just saying like, I've just got to do this because I think that is a really big part of the, the perk of going to art school is that you, you kind of learn like, Oh, you got to be in here working all the time. Mm hmm. I did definitely have some of those moments where I thought I was working hard and then I saw what everyone else had done compared to what I'd done. And I'd be like, oh, I, I really didn't work very hard at all. Like, you know, this, what, it kind of uh, uh, forced me to reconsider my idea of w- what working hard actually meant. But at, I was really, really happy and I was doing what I actually wanted to do for the first time ever coming from like a super... Um, restrictive environment um, to being uh, basically set loose in New York City <laughs> right. at 18 Roam years the old. Streets. You're on, you're on your own and you're free. <laughs> oh yeah, and and just be like my job was to show up to class and to paint 
every day. Well, it's amazing that you did that though. Cause I feel like at that moment coming to New York, you, it would be so tempting to just go see shows and hang out. And well, there's, there's a, so many, there's, distract- a lot of that. there's so many distractions <laughs> here. There was a lot of that. And I definitely did get distracted. Um, but but I, you learn, that's the thing you learn how to like, okay, I gotta be here. I gotta get this work done. Yeah. Which is something I, I still, am, there's still distractions. It's still yeah. New York, you know, like all these years later, I'm still kind of like having to f- tell myself the same things and like force myself to be motivated in the same in the same ways. And yeah, I, I did kind of like cut loose for a little while, but I, you know. Never- yeah, but imagine now, like kids in undergraduate school. There's Netflix. There's like phones. There's social media. There are so many distractions. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's almost like you have to turn it off, like. If you come to New York, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to go out and do something. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you just have to block things mm-hmm. because there's so much stuff coming at you, so much information and entertainment. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's in your pocket. Right. You could spend your entire day in your pocket. And it was never like that before. Yeah. And I wonder if that's why we're seeing so many uh, people making work that has to do with, with their phones or related devices. Yeah. It's because it's like, well, I can't put it down. So I might as well like use it. <laughs> yeah. I might as well do my final on it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so when you graduated, what was it? I mean, what were you doing by the time you graduated? Um, when I graduated, like? I was, I was still working at um, Cooper union a bit and I was, were you painting painting still? I was painting, painting. I was renting what essentially was a storage closet uh-huh. in like a community art space. Um, in the city? Um, in Brooklyn, maybe like a 20-minute walk from where I was living at the time. And it was absolutely not an environment conducive to painting, but I could not have been happier because, I mean, in school we had these semi-private studios and those are great, but um, it was nothing compared to the feeling of sort of having my own space and to just sort of like create this little bubble universe for myself. I mean, that was, that was huge for me. Um, And so I was there for almost a year, year and a half, um, and I was working. Uh, I did all kinds of things, but I was, I did what a lot of uh, recent grads from art school do, which is you wind up working front desk in galleries. Not or, the dreaded gallery job. Yeah, I did. It, I started <laughs> doing it before I graduated. I, I had a lucky run in with someone who offered me uh, the internship and then slowly started getting paid and um, it's a good gig though you know it's 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 not painting houses it's not painting houses (laughs) it's not which i Um, did before or roofing (laughs) it's not roofing (laughs) the crazy things we do while we're trying to pay our studio rent um yeah i i mean i didn't i didn't dislike it either i mean i I'm really sort of interested in sort of the social aspects of the art world, and I got a crash course in, in you know, what kinds of people exist in this world. And, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I I actually really enjoyed those years. I would not do them again, but I, uh, I wound up working for some really, really crazy eccentric people who I am still in touch with today who... I mean, it's it's just it opened a lot of doors. You know, yeah. I, I think things would have gone really differently had I not 
done those jobs. And at the end of the day, this isn't a networking opportunity. Maybe um, you see like how the whole thing happens. Right. You because can kind of pull you, back the skin and see the skeleton of the whole thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Cause it's a lot different than what you think when you just walk through Chelsea and walk through galleries and you're like, Oh, you know, and then you see how everything works. It's a different world. Yeah. I mean, I was working, I was working downtown and I mean, in a way it's nothing like what it seems, but there are moments I felt like I was like, I am in a movie about crazy art world people. <laughs> like, like this is, this has to be a, 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 a setup. I feel like I'm getting punked. Like and it couldn't Ashton be Kutcher's going to pop out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember this, I was probably like 22 years old and I remember I was me and the custodian of the gallery were for some reason, pushing this giant six foot mother well across the street on a dolly in the rain <laughs> across four lanes of traffic on Delancey street to the gallery across the street. Sure. And I just remember like looking around and, and then like, huh, I've, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm an artist in New York. Okay. <laughs> you got your mother well on dance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So what, and what were you doing work-wise? Um, work- like, when did you start moving into, when did the digital start taking a bigger role? So it kind of came about almost out of necessity, because I was working from models, like, almost exclusively all throughout school. And then when I graduated, I lost that resource. It kind of became um, either draw from photos or from your imagination or from... Uh, I don't know, like create a setup for yourself, but there's really no, uh, there's, you know, I'm not having someone come pose for me in the studio on a daily basis anymore. It's not practical. Yeah. And so I started, you know, doing these like Photoshop collages that I would, um, uh, sort of turn into paintings and, um, I was really interested in like, you know, squares inside of squares and this, the idea of like windows, like, because of course I'm looking at my computer screen and right. sort of, it's, it's the beginning of me sort of getting interested in trying to like map the landscape of cyberspace, like trying to sort of, uh, paint from reference these other worldly, um, environments and figures. Um, and then someone had suggested to me that I could also be making collages in 3D. Um, and I found a crack for some software, and um, I started experimenting. Um, and then it wasn't long before I was turned on to some other programs where you can build and customize figures. And that sort of brought me back to all the time I'd spent considering the idea of a muse um, and realizing that I had this opportunity through technology to do um, to create my own muses um, which in a way are also sort of self portraits Um, I mean so that was that changed everything when I realized that I could sort of like I could still be a painter who painted from reference because in art school, what they tell you is everything gets flattened. If you paint from a photograph, paint right. from life, if you can. And, and being sort of like the hardcore traditionalist 
that I am when it comes to painting, I always was kind of really bothered by a source by using Google image source material. And also I knew that, um, other people were seeing those same images. It's, you know, if we, if I search for palm tree and someone else searches for palm tree, we're going to get the same palm tree or at least top 10 more than yeah where it comes from yeah and and so I don't want to see my palm tree in other people's paintings so I that so this sort of seemed like a solution because it was sort of this uh customizable environment that I could sort of uh, move around in and I could understand it volumetrically because it's they're more they're 3d it's more sculptural than in looking at a flat image right was it easy to learn those programs did no you, do you have a knack for it or did you um i i think that i i approached it as a painter not as someone who was like learning how to use a piece of software so i sort of approach these programs the way that i approach a painting where i start off with an idea of what i want it to look like when it's done and then the process is getting from point a to point z mm-hmm. basically so i approached learning learning these tools that way and i think that's a really good way to learn where if you are kind of on a mission and you wind up learning how to get there and then you can you have those tools in your pocket for the next thing that you want to do and you can just continue to build on that i wouldn't necessarily say that i have a knack for it yeah um, and i'm still a little bit insecure about my skills but um uh, I think in a way my my lack of experience with software and my sort of philosophy of a painter has allowed me to sort of develop a really uh, unique visual language. Yeah. I always use that, you know, when I'm doing animations is that like I'll, I'll say to people, well, I'm not really that good at it i'm just using it the way i want to do like i'm making my mm-hmm. paintings yeah so the excuse is <laughs> i'm not trying to master the medium like i'm not trying to be an after effects guru or anything mm-hmm. i'm just using it to make my that cloud move from there to there totally yeah <laughs> and I, I don't care like you know i don't care to learn the whole th- it's just like painting you know i you there's so many different ways you can paint how many people learn all those ways to paint? You kind of learn the way that you want to make images, you know, that feels right for the content or whatever you're interested in. Right. You only need to know how to do what you want to do, at least in art. (laughs) And uh, ideally you get better at it as you do it, you know, Mm -hmm. in the way that you want to. Yeah. I mean, I totally can relate to that. I mean, up until a handful of years ago, I wasn't even, I, I basically I'm, instead of sketching, I'm building these 3d environments and, uh, taking like hundreds of screenshots. And up until recently, I wasn't even showing anyone that I was the same way. I wouldn't show anyone my rough sketch. Um, but it's, it occurred to me that what I'm doing is sort of becoming a larger world, world building project, sort of a universe creation impulse. And that these, um, digital I'm not sure if the paintings are the artifacts of the digital spaces or if it's the other way around but they're it, it's become a dual practice it's it's undeniable do you um, work on it at the same time or like how does it is it I, I people ask me that all the time do you do the the computer sketch first and then just paint it or and I tell them it's it 
changes. But I mean, do you have a method of like an order of working? Yeah. I mean, I am just constantly collecting images. Um, I take pictures of fabulous women on the train that I see. If there's something about them that I want to try to capture. Um, and then, you know, just giant folders of inspiration on my desktop. Um, but in terms of like actually sitting down and building the thing on the computer, um, I, I, I do it in sort of like in, in bursts. So I'll develop, you know, three compositions and maybe two of them will become a painting, but I, I don't, when I'm painting, I'm painting, and then I have to do that for like you know a month at a time, and then I'll I'll switch when I'm ready to stretch my next canvas. Um, so I, I I mean I do have to kind of keep them separate. I have I have painting side of my studio, and then I have dry side of the studio. Right. I have my wet and dry studio. <laughs> Not analog and digital. <laughs> the wet I guess and dry. I, yeah, I guess that's the other way to look at it. Yeah. No, I like the wet and dry side. Yeah, yeah. It's literal. Like, mm-hmm. that's the wet stuff. Don't put it near the dry stuff. Right. Except <laughs> for that oil never dries. For now, it takes, like, right. two years. <laughs> that's true. Um, what I like about seeing your work online, too, is that there's a gray area. You mm-hmm. don't really know sometimes what is going on. Like, you know, is that a drawing? Is it a video? Is it an animation? Is it a painting? Is it a still? You know, it's so hard to tell sometimes what's going on. Yeah. Do you I, like that kind of read? I love, I really like the ambiguity. Um, I I mean, because at the end of the, at, at this point, I almost feel like even if you are making paintings that will hopefully wind up in a gallery or in someone's home one day, I mean, the majority of the people who ever come into contact with this image are going to see it on a screen yeah. and of of those of that majority many of those people will only see it as a thumbnail so that is i mean that's a consideration i mean i was only making square paintings for a while because i thought that the format read better yeah. um so it's it's I, I i don't know i don't know if it's good or bad but it's certainly um become a consideration but i i like that ambiguity i like that People aren't sure what's a painting, um, but although it's made for some really awkward studio visits where people sh- show up <laughs> thinking that I've made a bunch of, that they're all prints, and, and they're just shocked. Um, yeah. Or they think it's going to be all painting? Or they they think it's no, they don't realize that it's painting at all. Oh, that's, yeah. That's they just happened, think it's all digital. Yeah, that's happened a few times. And then the other thing is that these their paintings are quite large. So I, And I think this happens to a lot of artists these days where... Um, there's no kind of scale reference. I mean, there's nothing to compare it to if you're yeah. just looking at a thumbnail. So um, people are often really surprised by the scale of the work, which I like because I'm only I'm painting people and I'm painting women, so I'm really trying not to. Um, I think when they get too small, they kind of just become sort of doll-like. Yeah. So I try to, I try to stay like life size or larger. Well, I was, I'm sure you working in this medium are like cognizant of the fact that like right now we're experiencing a lot of these images in like a two inch square format mm-hmm. or on a screen, but sooner or later that's going to be immersive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it already is, but that's going to be more ubiquitous where, you know, VR and AR and all that stuff is going to be yeah. happening. I mean, is that something that you're 
tapping into or interested in? Yeah, I'm thinking about it constantly. I mean, I think it's, for me, it's hard to deny that sort of the next logical step for, for me and really for anyone who kind of sees world creation as something that they're interested in, the next logical step has to be some kind of mixed reality. Um, and that's part of why I've started um, archiving and sort of taking taking the time to sort of more seriously consider the digital component of what I do because I'm building environments and rooms and figures that, you know, could be animated potentially. Um, And so, I mean, at that point, the paintings really do become sort of artifacts of this other uh, land, like other world that, you know, can, can be accessed through a screen or through a device or something. Yeah. It's like an it's amazing experience too. Like I don't know if you've done any VR stuff. Yeah, I have. I'm, but I'm, it's it's crazy. Like I used to hear about you know or you'd see stills or whatever, and I, I didn't do it for a long time, and um, and I was just like, well, yeah, I'm not that interested in it. It just seems like it would be, I don't know, like early graphics where it just doesn't feel real or pixelated or mm-hmm. kind of funky. And then I I did I went to one of those Google Tilt Brush Lab things. Yeah, and it was pretty. Amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm really really into this stuff, and I've been um, sort of following like the tra- trajectory of the technology, just sort of as a layman. Um, and it's it yeah, it's really crazy how quickly your brain is willing to accept like, oh yeah, this is just where I, this is just how it is now. It's it takes like, like thirty seconds. <laughs> it's not like watching a movie where you're like very much aware that you're kind of ex- you know you're having an experience that this is yeah it's your brain's just like oh this I guess this is just how it is now um and uh I I still feel like the graphics are still not they're really not <laughs> where I want them to be at yeah. all I get I get like kind of frustrated and I know it's like it's incredible technology and, I'm, and I really shouldn't be complaining but um I think at the current moment like all all art made in VR is kind of about VR just because the aesthetic is so like um, overwhelming and it, and it's such a specific visual language, but I think it's changing though. It's getting it's and it's happening so fast. I'm working on a piece. Yeah. Yeah. With, I mean, I'm not doing it, but I'm working with a company to do a VR environment of my stuff, but cool. it looks just like my work, not like the typical VR thing for me it's like it feels like when I see the you know the sketches of it it feels like being in a Warner Brothers like a Bugs Bunny cartoon and I love (laughs) it sounds amazing it's like my dream as a child yeah (laughs) to be in that kind of like flattened world in a way yeah and I think I mean there's so many I mean I know Unity just came out with like a ton of tools that just makes it super easy and accessible and I think um, all these tech companies are smart and they realize that if they can get artists interested it'll just sort of like reverberate throughout the yeah. rest of the population and diversify the way that they make stuff because yes you know developers i feel like have a developer language where mm-hmm. they're like mm-hmm. it, it'll just look a certain way at first and then it gets blown up you know what i mean it's, yeah i i think about this a lot um i read this amazing book called what the dormouse said and it's about the people who started inventing the internet as we know it today like during kind of like you know the psychedelic era um and what i realized reading this book is that the people who designed the interface like what 
we what we think of when we think of our computer desktop. I mean, it's modeled after an office. It's a desktop, and it has files and folders and things like that. Right. And the people who designed this interface are not artists. They're not even designers. They're coders. They're yeah. pro- they're programmers. Right. So it's, you think if you had, they had an artist in the room at the time, how different things might have been, or a designer in the room at the time. Um, and so. Like going along with what you just mentioned, I think um, a lot of the programs that are accessible to to us, to you know, people who want to create using technology, um, it kind of gives this illusion of infinite variation. But really, you're working within a very strict set of frameworks, and the preferences of the programmers are are really apparent when you're yeah. when you're when you create within that program and because i'm using um avatar creation software um you kind of know where that's going <laughs> yeah and because i'm painting women specifically i mean well, it seems like you're playing into that like I, this idealized like exotic you know i'm really interested in nerds in fantasizing about like exactly. i can make a world with these girls and exactly like, and i mean it's just the way to of these people who have no control over the you know their environment or like they find a way to kind of like to play god sort of um and yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious where I'm going with this. It's like these constraints placed on female, virtual female bodies, or how do those relate to constraints placed on physical female bodies? Right. Um, and, you know, like, what does it mean that there's this sort of inherent bias within the programming of that, you know, is, you, you know, it's, it exposes this inclination towards pornographic or at least like porn adjacent, um, you know, fantasy based, you know, representations of women, which Um, I suppose has been there since like manga, like early, you know, it's, it's not something that, well, actually that's probably what inspired those, that kind of culture. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm sure, I mean, I don't want like, to say like, you know, otaku or like nerd culture, <laughs> but that's really what it is. It's totally. Like, yeah. and, and it's been going on forever. I mean, I don't think we're seeing like the beginning of it right now, but I think what we are seeing is that it's now these tools are accessible and everyone essentially can, you can, every single person with, you know, the proper ha- hardware and software can create their own universe. And it gets, it can get kind of dark. Yeah. Like I spend a lot of time um, you know, sort of looking for assets because there's just this massive marketplace surrounding these types of software where the software is usually free and then all of the assets yeah, you are, pay are you, yeah. you pay for that or you torrent them if you're a bad person, which I don't recommend at all ever. No one. Um, <laughs> no one ever torrent don't. anything, okay? Um, but uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time sort of uh, digging into this like very very niche sort of weird underbelly of digital art yeah and it's a massive community it's it's huge and it's uh, amazing like you and no one would know it you know what I mean like no dark one. web stuff like no one would know it yeah this isn't even dark web no, no, this is I just know. like just... weird message boards it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, yeah and I was not aware of it before I started looking for it. Um, and yeah, it get it gets kind of dark 
um, and like, you know, encounter some disturbing things. Anonymity. But then it's like, okay, I mean, I guess no one's getting hurt. And if this is how some people are, you know, reconciling their like dark fantasies, like at least they're doing it home alone. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, ideally. Yeah. Um, but those, I mean, so there's, there's all that, there's all these like super weird niche, um, digital fetish resources. But then at the same time, there's only like a handful of like skin tones you can use. So, so it's, it's really does sort of illuminate, um, the fact that we are, it's, it's, I'm, the arena of software and technology is largely male dominated. You know, they're it's, it's the people who are creating this universe is not necessarily representative of the people who are going to be living in it, yeah. which is a lot like the real world. Right. So it's, it's, it's almost like a black comedy in a way, the, the way that we're just, we're making the same mistakes, even though we have so many more options available this time. Um, but it's, I mean, what I'm, what I'm doing, it's not necessarily like a, a critique. Um, it's more just sort of like, Hey, let's like, let's look at this. Cause there's the possibility t- to intercept and for artists to kind of get involved, like in the design phase of creating virtual reality that we're all eventually going to live in. And, right. you know, like let's, let's have an artist in the room this time. Yeah. So. It feels like also, uh, this is going to be a blanket statement that's going to irritate a lot of people, but it feels like it's the avant-garde. Do you know what I mean? It's the place that's not explored yet. Yeah. In I a mean, way. You know what I mean? Like visually, as far as like, I mean, there's just, who knows what that's like, you know, how it manifests itself and like programs are being developed where there's like new ways to sort of fabricate, even if it's virtual, like, you know, a visual existence. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, with oil paint and acrylic paint and whatever, and, like, sculpting, you know what I mean? It's kind of like we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. It it's does. not that I don't believe you can't do something new with, like, analog materials or something. It just feels like there's something new there that's going on that's, you know. Mm-hmm. I would imagine for you it's exciting to tap into that because it's, like you're saying, it's like an endless well. And the, and the the conflicting side of it is there's going to be a large population who just is like, I don't get it. Yeah. But this is like computer <laughs> stuff, you know, and just like writes it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, I mean, I feel like what's like a lot of these assets are like playing to like the lowest, the lowest common denominator in right. a way, you know, these like, like pornographic tropes, I guess. I mean, there's not a lot to get <laughs> but if you but if you like, want to do like a simple read of it when yeah. that's kind of like human i mean you know human nature yeah wanting to procreate or just sexual drive or whatever you know what i mean it's kind of like yeah, it's just basic it's a instinct. raw basic and that's the thing about like when you're saying it gets kind of dark is it makes sense in a way because like before society mm-hmm. people just ate drank killed and like you know procreated <laughs> you know right. what I mean? it wasn't we didn't have society to put things in check Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And now it's like, oh, here's a, like, if I'm like a nerd who's repressed growing up and like, I'm going to make this universe where I could do anything I want, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like a weird, like uh, just a part of the human psyche, I think, or human desire. Yeah. Or, and a lot of times male dominant. Yeah. Male yeah. desire. You know. Yeah. I think there is an impulse and I would venture to say all humans, but 
more so in some than others to kind of uh, create create universe to sort of like create something out of nothing. It's like a god or goddess complex in a way. Well, um, all yeah. art is like that in a way. Yeah, it's it's like a birthing process. Take I, look at I, my world. Yeah, totally. I I'm, I think a lot about how when I was a kid. Um, like I, I, I guess I like played with dolls and like regular toys, but like my my absolute favorite thing to do was play with my fish tank. Oh yeah, yeah. I had an aquarium, like not a huge one, but like a small, maybe like two by two by two foot aquarium, I guess. And that that was my universe at the time. I would I would like buy a little. I would switch out the gravel and like get little like fake plants for it. And spend just kind of hours, like kind of if you would tap on the glass, you could control the direction all the fish were swimming yeah. in. And that gave me like such a rush. I mean, I don't even want to <laughs> unpack that psychologically. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's not so different from what I do now. And I, like I'm, all, I'm starting to animate as well. Um, and I, it's, it, it's kind of funny how nothing ever really changes. You just have more resources as you get older and yeah. more perspective you can think about things and have you read that book why art no i haven't it's what you're talking about interesting you've you got to read it yeah it's, it's about building worlds hmm. and the the allure of it's really good <laughs> just uh check out that book i um, will thank you yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, so you have you're in the group show now, where I saw you at, at uh-huh. the whole gallery that yeah. post analog. Yeah, how's that going? Because I'm a lot of people are really interested in that work and what's going on there. Yeah, I would imagine that's it's a, it's a good been place amazing to see the work and it, like a good community of artists who are working. Like, there's different levels of oh yeah, so, post quote unquote post analog. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that show has been it's been amazing. I mean, just completely overwhelmed with you know, positive feedback and people saying nice things and I, I mean it's it's amazing to be in the same room with a lot of the other artists in that show um I remember going to the first post-analog show the very first one yeah um god how long ago was that I want to say it, it must be almost five years ago yeah if, right four yeah. or five years and I remember going and I, I mean my you know, I mean, it's, I wasn't, things weren't really like moving ahead quickly for me at the time, but I remember seeing that show and, and being so inspired and really sort of seeing a place for my own work to eventually fit in with that, with that dialogue. Um, and so to be in, in this one and, and it gives me some perspective because a lot of those artists that I saw on the first show are friends of mine. Now I've been to their studios, they've been to mine. And so it's, it's sort of just like a really apt illustration of, you know, how, how far I've come and how quickly things can happen in this world. But, um, building a community in a way, not like purposefully, but you know. Building yeah. a community through shared interest in certain work. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, so yeah, I, that show's great. And, you know, even if I wasn't in it, I'd tell everyone to go to it. Yeah. So. It's, a good, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. And what else do you have going on? What are you doing? Um, what are you I, working on? So I took a little break from painting and I made some, some big, big drawings for a show I'm going to do in Riga in June. Riga, Pencil? Lat- Latvia. Yeah. Charcoal? I, 
charcoal and pencil. Um, nice. Yeah, it's, drawing is something I'll, I'm always going to look. Is it, it kind of like in this vein? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so the drawings are a lot like my paintings, but they're fun for me to do because I'm a lot less uh, precious with them. I yeah. mean, drawing is something that is not difficult for me. It comes really easily, so I don't stress about it, and I get to be a little bit improvisational, which I would not classify my painting as improvisational at that's all. Like, <laughs> that's like the draw of drawing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, that... it's my first love. It really, really is, and I don't get to do it very much, but... Um, the international show so we figured we'd save ourselves some trouble with shipping nice. so um we're really excited about that i think it's uh, i think there's three other awesome artists who are going to be in that show um and then a couple of things down the pipe i don't want to talk about yet but yeah it's, it's things are on the burner stuff. yeah they they are so nice well, a lot to be excited about i can't wait to see like what comes next it's really interesting stuff Thank you. It's great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you Thanks too. Thank you for out. having me. Sure. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced. Well, slightly edited. Not too much editing. Let's be honest. Um, it's recorded and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com and you can find more images at Sound and Vision Podcast on Instagram. Please follow and share. And if you like the podcast or if you don't like the podcast, leave a review and a rating, please, on iTunes. It really helps. You can also find the podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere else. Thank you to Michael Lovett for his introduction to Lullatone for the intro-outro music and to Golden Artist Colors for sponsoring the podcast. Check them out at your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. I have, for two weeks, roughly two more weeks, I have artwork all over New York City in these uh, New York City link kiosks that you can find all over the sidewalks. I think there's about 1,700 of them, and I have artwork playing on those, so check them out if you have a chance. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>